Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manesh. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Tulum, Mexico. Welcome to the show, Chris Arnold. <laughs> Victor, what's happening, buddy? Glad to hang out, add some value today. Great to have you here. Now, Chris, there's so many things we could talk about. And I love the fact that you're doing the thing from Tulum, Mexico. It's a beautiful part of the world and get to spend some time there every year myself. But maybe for the listeners who don't know you, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Yeah. So been doing real estate uh, 15 years. It's the very first thing I stepped into out of grad school. What I was looking for was primarily a vehicle. So my primary passion is just around transformation impact of lives of people. I'm actually a seminary graduate, um, but I wasn't going to go conventional uh, and be like a pastor or missionary. That wasn't me. But I love the concept of utilizing business as that vehicle to be able to do that. So over my career, I originally got started on the real estate brokerage side. That's how I got my feet wet. And then from there, we launched an investment company. So doing all types of different types of residential investment, whether that be a fix and flip or some traditional wholesaling, different things like that. And then, yeah, it is over time, really looking for something a bit more significant. And so I launched my passion about four years ago, which is a brotherhood for some of the top real estate investors in the country. It was something that I was personally really looking for, not just business, network, but I wanted to be around guys that want to be better fathers and better husbands and better leaders. And so I've launched that and Victor, you know, it's a loom. So I fly all those cats. They come down here once a year for our summit that we do. And then of course I run a nationwide coaching program, which we're going to talk about today with the topic of being radio as a marketing channel for your business. I love that story and love the fact that you're able to do this work from Tulum. It's a great part of the world. And I too hold a goal setting retreat not far from there in Riviera Maya every year. Don't know if it'll be there this year, if we'll end up doing it somewhere else, but love the fact that you're able to do that there as well. You'll be right down the road from me, man. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about uh, terrestrial radio. Certainly Today, people are very focused on the podcast medium and podcast listeners make up about 80 million people in the United States. So not quite yet even 50% of the population, but it's growing every year. And still a lot of people listening to terrestrial radio, a lot of people don't know how to utilize radio as a marketing vehicle. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things, and I think the best way to define radio, because people hear it and like, man, radio has been around forever. But the best way that I can describe it, it's, it's the marketing channel that everyone knows about, but actually no one is really using. So if I tell you to kind of step back, whatever market that you're in, and ask yourself, who do I really hear on the radio that's advertising to generate, you know, motivated sellers for investment deals? Doesn't matter if you're doing the burst strategy or fix and flip or whatever your outcome is, you'll probably step back and go, I can't really think of anyone. I might hear a guru come into town and maybe try to fill up a conference and they might be on the air for about three weeks. But in the sense of consistency, you know, I really can't think of anyone. 
And so marketing on the radio, what I think is so valuable about it is it's so wide open, whereas a lot of the other channels have just really become oversaturated. And so if you can get around a poker table and there's just a few players, you have obviously a bigger likelihood of succeeding on that marketing channel. And that's what radio is at. It's just not very crowded around that table at all. So for the listeners, let's make a distinction between the different forms of marketing that you can use in radio. And I use the distinction of publicity versus advertising. Advertising is paid advertising where you pay so many dollars per for a 30 second ad spot versus publicity where you might be coming on to a show might be an interview show. Your deal is that you get to be the expert on that show, you get to deliver value for the audience. And in exchange for that, you get exposure. You're very different. Publicity generally is free. Advertising is clearly paid. What how do you distinguish those two? Yeah, so over time we've split tested and I can definitely tell you if you're trying to do a call to action, you're trying to generate a direct investment opportunity for yourself, the paid advertisement being your traditional 60 second spot with a call to action at the end, that's going to make the phone ring a lot more than just being a guest on a potential show. And so again, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. You know, you and I were chatting earlier that, you know, maybe if you're trying to get recognition for a book that you're publishing, absolutely. It's like podcasts. You want to go be a guest and get interviewed about that topic. But if you're looking for investment opportunity, advertisement without question uh, generates a lot higher volume for opportunity. Now, of course, investing is something that's regulated. You've got to comply with the securities regulations. Some areas have prohibitions around solicitation. So if you're going to be advertising, you've got to be advertising to a select audience. Maybe it's only accredited investors. How does that work with the radio medium? Yeah, so with us, what we're doing, uh, and again, we don't hit any type of regulation. I have people that we've helped do this literally in probably most of the markets at this point um, around the country. And that is we're talking directly to sellers and we're talking directly to other investors that might be looking for a JV opportunity. So in the sense of getting into, you know, let's say something like raise funds or doing those type of things, which of course are heavily regulated, we steer clear of that completely and just go directly after the seller and the investor themselves for partnership. So the person, the target of the advertising is a potential buyer or a potential seller? Correct. Absolutely. And again, if you look at the primary demographic, again, if we're talking, let's say, residential investment, what you have to realize is that most people that have that type of opportunity as an avatar are actually over the age of 50. And so if you're targeting that audience, they still have two strong behavioral styles. And that is they grew up watching television and they grew up listening to the radio. And so since we target that particular audience for our investment opportunities, whether that's again, buy and hold, fix and flip, et cetera, we're literally speaking directly to them because again, they hop in the car or whatever their process is, but they turn on the radio. They do not... <laughs> download podcasts. They do not have Spotify downloaded on their phone. They're not streaming. They do not have that behavior. That's for younger generation. And again, that's not who we're targeting because the younger generation traditionally are uh, not necessarily homeowners yet. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So give our listeners a little bit of a perspective on 
what kind of ads are working in today's marketplace? If you were looking to get a message out there, if you're looking to, let's say, generate leads for motivated sellers or what have you, how would you craft that? Yeah, so you know, we're running again a, a 60 second spot, which allows us to clearly communicate our message. But our ad is very much hitting on particular pain points, circumstances that require people to need to dump a property quickly for cash as is. And so it's things like potentially going into foreclosure, it's probate, inherited properties, it's, it's landlords that are tired and would love to sell a package deal and just get out from underneath their particular portfolio. And so our ad, if you listen to it, is strategically just going point by point. You know, do you have a house behind in payments? Do you have a house, you know, that's falling apart in need of repair? And so what you find the person riding down the road is like, hey, you know, that's me. I'm, I'm that landlord. Again, utilizing radio, it creates instant credibility and it creates celebrity status. So if we're talking about a competition standpoint, when someone hears radio advertisement and they're that landlord and they go, you know, I'm going to call this guy or I'm going to call this woman because people assume that if you're on the radio, you're an expert and they also elevate you psychologically to celebrity status, just like that happens on television. I mean, that's where we get celebrities from. And so I love from a branding standpoint for, you know, your particular operation that you can really elevate yourself above the competition level by really creating that celebrity status for your business. So not only are we generating motivated seller leads, on top of that, we're strengthening the integrity and professionalism of the brand. When we talk about marketing or advertising, at the end of the day, it comes down to business metrics, a certain number of dollars per lead. How have you found that metric working in radio as compared with other mechanisms, whether it's paid search on Google or any other form of uh, paid advertising? Yeah, I mean, that's the most important question. You know, if I'm listening to this and anything I size up, what I care about mostly is the math. When it comes to marketing, and there's a lot of KPIs to look at, cost per lead, cost per acquisition, but the one that matters most is the one that's kicked out the back end, and that's dollar per dollar return. So for every dollar I'm spending on radio, how many am I getting back? So doing this now over 10 years, we consistently land right between three to $4. So we're getting triple to quadruple uh, on our dollar spend. And the thing that I love most about it is that it's stayed there consistently. Other marketing channels, you know, I might be up at a one to four, even, you know, one to five, but they don't stay there either because of disruption, because of, you know, oversaturation due to competition, different things like that. But radio has just been really kind of tried and true for us um, around that three to four dollar mark. And then, of course, you're not subject to an algorithm change, changing your performance from one week to the next. Exactly. Um, or, you know, other forms of technology coming in that are shutting things down on other marketing channels that are being used right now, particularly ones that are a bit more on the spam side. I love that. Now, one of the things that I've long believed and long held is this notion that we are in a saturated airspace. That there's so many people trying to interrupt you and get your attention. In fact, even where you're seated, seated right now at your office, you're probably being bombarded by lots of different forms of advertising that you don't even see because you tune them out. Whether it's the soft drink can that's on your desk or what have you, 
you're being bombarded by advertising. How do you differentiate in today's marketplace so that people actually pay attention? Yeah, so if we're referring directly to radio, the thing with radio is people can click over to the next channel. You're not intruding on somebody like other marketing channels. So let's let's pick on direct mail, right? You know, if someone's running a large direct mail campaign, I'm going to tell you that probably over 50% of the responses back are actually hate responses. Like stop mailing my house. On radio, that distinction there is you're on an airway, number one, that's not intrusive. And number two, you're playing an ad that's not being crowded out. So let's, again, utilize direct mail as an example. If we were talking about utilizing direct mail for residential opportunities, you're going to walk into someone's house. We see these on appointments and they got 50 postcards stacked up on their table. I mean, how, you know, you can make that postcard pink and do everything you can to make it stand out. But again, you're still one of 50 on radio. And this is what we're finding is so interesting is you're pretty much the only advertisement on uh, in your market that's actually communicating this particular message. So it's easy to stand out. So you get out of the pile, basically. Pretty much. And that's why I think it's important. There's virtually no competition. And so I don't care how good your back end is. If you have a marketing channel that's oversaturated, you're going to have difficulty pulling out that return. It's always about being first. Um, we know that, that the number one thing that drives the success of marketing is always being the very first to the table. I mean, it's Coca-Cola versus Pepsi, right? And so if you can come into a market and really be that first person, um, that's going to make the biggest difference long-term in your overall success with the channel. Let's talk a little bit about repetition. The first time you hear an ad, you're probably not going to take action. What have your metrics shown? Is it the third time, the 10th time, the 50th time that people take action? How do you, and how do you even measure that? Yeah, so th that's a difficult thing to measure. I mean, somebody calling in will say, I just heard your ad on the radio, or they might communicate something generally like, hey, I've been hearing your ad and here's my circumstance. I will tell you though, the metric that will allow us to show that it is more direct response, not having to hear it again and again, is we track all of the calls that are coming in through a call tracking system. And so we can see when an ad is played, right? The radio station will give you what's a predictive uh, time for the following day saying your advertisement is going to play at this time. And you can go into the back end of a lead capturing system and just see that when that ads plays, you get that direct phone call. So what I can tell you is even though it's hard to really split it up and you know, try to put exact math to that. I can tell you, generally speaking, that most people are calling out of emotion when they hear that ad, meaning like, man, um, that's the situation I'm in. I'm going to pick up the phone and call this person right now. Are you using vanity numbers where call 1-800, uh, you know, get help or something like that so that it's easy to remember? Or, you know, typically call tracking systems generate a bank of numbers pretty much at random. And so now you can perform ad splits and so on by having unique numbers for unique ad campaigns, but then you lose the memorable nature of the phone number and it becomes more difficult for the client to actually write down the number or remember it. Yeah. So I can give you a couple practical tactics on that. Without question, it's got to be a vanity number. You want that number to be a local area code, not an 800, because again, 
people always value local expertise over national. It just feels, again, a bit more personal in the actual approach. Your ideal, of course, would be to have one number, but the problem is you're not really going to understand your metrics if you don't put a unique vanity phone number on each uh, radio station that you're on. So we're on about seven stations in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And again, I wish you could talk to every person and ask them and get a straight answer on what station they were just listening to. But a lot of times people don't know. People are constantly clicking through other stations, right? That's what we do. We bounce from station to station. So unless you put a unique uh, number on each station, you're going to be pretty off on what the overall metrics are and return is per each station. Well, Chris, this is a fascinating topic, not something we've talked about on the show before. If folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah, yeah. So again, if you're listening and you're like, man, this is interesting. I think I could find some value in this for our business. It's something that we help people set up um, around the country. And, you know, if you're listening, it's always tell people, you just start with due diligence, get in and ask some questions and uh, see if it's something that's a fit. But the best way to do that is to go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Again, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash REI radio. Book a call, ask some questions um, with our team. And then also, of course, you got to check and see if your market's open because we limit people per market. And so we actually have markets that have already been bought and sold out because I'm going to preserve it. Um, I'm not going to allow it to get oversaturated like some of the other marketing channels have uh, gotten that way. I love it. Well, thank you, Chris, for sharing the perspective and sharing the strategy with our listeners. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Chris at wholesalinginc.com slash REI radio. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.